Phoenix Overlook Pop Culture. And welcome to the real episode 89. I totally <laughs> screwed up two weeks ago. Um, last week was um, Shaggy's birthday, and I'm, I'm sure he did something very, very, very fun. Uh, yeah, I got a game for my birthday, a game that I had when I was really little, so kind of just reminisced on my childhood by playing a video game. So <laughs> I enjoyed it thoroughly. Well, that's fantastic. Um, last week or two weeks ago, I I skipped ahead a number which I shouldn't have, so I'm <laughs> kicking myself now. And I I had to find the hangout thing because, well, I'm not quite ready to experiment with the live broadcasting thing yet. Um, to be honest. YouTube's starting to do, and Google's starting to do kind of their separation thing so that people are no longer required to have a uh, Google account just to use YouTube. Uh, Problem is, uh, I'm more than happy to have my Google Plus integrated with YouTube. So um, I don't know how this is going to work, but we'll see. Um, I imagine it may not be seamless. Since Google Plus and well, all of Google's services are very tightly integrated. Um, I'm hoping that they can make it to where it's flexible enough to where you can have stuff separated if you want. That would but be I'll- nice, especially in my case because I don't have a problem with all of my Google apps being connected together because then it's just easy to do whatever I want. And then like on YouTube, I'd already got a bunch of preferences and subscriptions. I don't want to have to go make another account just to be able to do that. So I'd imagine Google will probably do something like that. They usually for, they usually do things for the users, not against them. <laughs> like, like for me, but allow them to operate separately. But if somebody wants to connect something and integrate it with a Google product, go ahead and let them do it. Um, that's that's how come the next report has an official YouTube channel. It was through Google Plus integration. I'm like, yes. Um, and you know, in the past, that's how you could theoretically create multiple channels. Um, but uh, we'll figure that out. Um, Shaggy's the one that kind of kind of helped with coming up with this week's uh, topic and that's uh, the political disillusionment um, and how two particular candidates may be teaching us lessons that are kind of been overlooked so far but are now coming to the forefront Um, we're talking about Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump being prominent examples of them although one's sounds a little bit more sincere about their convictions than the other as we'll as we'll see in a moment um but both grew up in the state of new york so they so so they're they have that background and uh, salon had a interesting piece about how Neither of them are going to get to the Oval Office unless they're invited by the next president, but they're certainly having an influence on the election cycle this time around. Um, Sanders is drawing crowds. Um, Trump is 
opening his mouth and <laughs> not shutting it. Um, um, and and I'm sorry when you say there, there were blood, there was blood coming out of her eyes and out of her wherever. Uh, and you're referring to a woman. What do you think people were going to think? It, it was that 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 comment was a disaster, but it kept him in the press. Um, I'll give him credit for that. So, um, but honestly, though, he he was uh, he was quite the gift to John Stewart. His last weeks of the Daily Show. <laughs> Sort sort of like a hospice of sorts. As Stewart was was like, oh my goodness, please let this vanity candidate run. Um, but uh, your your thoughts on both candidates so far? Because well, I know in a previous podcast I had spoke a little bit about how I felt about Trump. I don't know how strongly that was. I don't honestly remember. I'm pretty sure I was bashing on Trump, which I mean, is well-deserved in my opinion, but um, after some more research over the last couple of weeks and reading between both candidates, and which originally I felt I sided more with Bernie Sanders, and I still think I do, but Trump his current standings on certain issues of his, of his platform, actually, I side with, which is quite surprising. Um, but overall, I, they're both they're both very radical. When when you look at it from a perspective, uh, like I was telling you earlier, Thomas, from a perspective of the standard party politics, which the American people are fed up with. You can see that in the media, and you can see that very evidently with the way that this election is going so far. The only reason uh, Sanders and Trump have had so much success early on is because of that. And so, and like you were saying earlier, Bernie Sanders is drawing in crowds, and by that he's he's trying to promote your average everyday American person, and. Trump. Okay, I don't. I'm not sure how I can just say something for Trump right now because his his current standings. There's a lot of things that I agree with, and there's a lot of things that I don't. And honestly, it's the same way with Bernie. But um, well, one of one of the you know Sanders has at least spoken out against. Against certain policies regarding, you know, surveillance and what have you, um, in favor of privacy. Um, a lot of people who consider themselves progressives will probably be surprised by the fact that he's a supporter of the Second Amendment. Um, the NRA actually endorsed him when he ran for, you know, ran for office in his home, current home state. So. It, and Trump claims to be pro Second Amendment as well. So, uh, Reason Magazine um, has a piece on you know. Of course, it gets a little bit ridiculous towards the end, but certain policies they both were against NAFTA. Um, 
Although I think Trump has flip flopped on that one too. <laughs> I don't know. Let me go to my giant list here. <laughs> oh, good God. Um, I, I was having the hardest time trying to find this article that I saw this afternoon, which uh, a lot of these articles I've seen over the course of the last few days and the last week. And this one in particular kind of caught my eye because I was just kind of browsing in between working on something at work. And at first I was quick to dismiss this article because I thought, okay, based on the appearance of it, it doesn't look very credible. But after reading it a little bit before I actually closed it at work and then had the hard time trying to find it here at home um, and reading some of the other articles that I've read and then thinking back at some of the other things that I've seen or read or heard, um, it seems very credible. And just to put this into perspective, most of the issues, this the way this website is structured uh, – I think Thomas will be able to share the link for everybody who's listening in right now. The way this website is structured is it's got it's each issue and then <laughs> basically how many times and in what way Trump has flip-flopped on on that particular issue. For example, I'll just do the one for like same-sex marriage. It, it's got three different ones listed from – 2015, 2011, and 2000, which his most current uh, stance on that is that it's a state issue. And I know I mentioned this when I talked uh, in a previous podcast about um, a video where George Takei was basically not necessarily attacking Donald Trump, but calling him out on the fact that he's flip-flopped on the issue. And if I'm not mistaken, that's the same thing he said in that video. And then previously in 2011, which the previous statement I just mentioned was his current stance here in 2015. Uh, in 2011, he was against gay marriage or same-sex partner benefits. And then all the way back in 2000, he was supporting it or supporting diversity. So... And then also prosecuting hate crimes against gays. And that's just three on just one particular issue over the last 15 years. He's done this on almost every issue. In 2000, there was, there was, it was Bill Clinton's last year as president, correct? Yes. If I'm not mistaken, that's when Bush took over. Yeah, and at, there was that whole fight towards the end of the year. But there's still the perception that a Democrat had the highest office in the land, at least executive branch-wise. Um, there, sure, there was a Republican resurgence, but a Democrat still held the Oval Office. He changed his point of view right in time for kind of a conservative resurgence. So it sounds almost like he's going with whoever the majority is at the time or is perceived to be at the time. He's just going with whoever seems to be the most popular at the time, <laughs> which, you know, why not? Uh, it's a business deal. Um, Tactically, yeah, that's it's like 
perfect. It's, it's how can you beat it? But the only problem with that is if you're in politics, people don't expect you to change your mind very often or at all. <laughs> um, Sanders is more consistent. Um, people can disagree with, say, Ron Paul on a lot of things, but um, he was very consistent over the years. Um, if he changed his mind, he explained why. Rand Paul comes off of as maybe a bit more of a flip-flopper. But Trump, he's all over the place. <laughs> he, 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 was, he, was a, he was a Republican before a Democrat, before he was an independent Democrat again, Republican again, some, something or other. Um, next thing you know, he's going he's gonna to start an independent party called the Trump party and 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 here's here's the thing that cracks me up on his alleged campaign site you click the little link that goes to his official YouTube page there are no campaign videos on his YouTube page just business related videos videos of his children being in business golf courses that he's open, blah, 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 blah. Which tells me that his candidacy is not necessarily that all that serious. Um, when it's no longer feasible for him economically, he's probably going to bow out. Um, but for now, he gets to have fun antagonizing and trolling an entire party. <laughs> And so he's far, doing, so. He's, if I might say, he's doing a damn good job of it right now <laughs> because he's leading the polls in terms of the Re- Republican Party. And just behind him, if I'm not mistaken, is Jeb Bush, little Bush's brother. And oh, yeah, uh, it's it's quite a mess. And th- the funny part is, um, there, there are activists from who you know use the hashtag Black Lives Matter. They've been able to interrupt Sanders' uh, speaking engagements. Uh, they haven't had success with Clinton because she, well, uses the Secret Service to kind of prevent them from hijacking her microphone. Um, they haven't had as much success. They would probably wouldn't have much success with Trump. Um, I imagine Trump's probably paying his own security force. Um, either either that or probably putting enough money into the pockets of the local police force that he doesn't have to worry about it either. <laughs> or they may have assumed that it would be a waste of time trying with him. Um, so that's, and that's also the trouble that you're running into with a grassroots campaign it can easily get capsized by other people who are just as angry with their own issues that they're bringing to the table. Um, and, and that, and that's going to be the big thing that will make or break Sanders campaign is, um, can he work with other people who have a beef about something that they feel he's not strong enough about? Um, only time will tell, but, Um, but uh, San- like I said, Sanders, Sanders is at least competition for Clinton. 
Uh, Huffington Post talked about how he's kind of catching up to her a little bit in the polls and all of that. But, but again, at least he's consistent with policy. Uh, Rand Paul is, is one of the people who's uh, pointing out how he has, you know, bought and sold politicians to which Trump responded. You're damn right. I have, <laughs> of, cor- of course, um, according to the intercept, um, he never gave Paul any money and I, Doubt he would accept it, actually, or maybe he would. I don't know. Um, although, I, say. ironically, other candidates on that stage for the first debate um, complained that he never sent them any money, but he just sent <laughs> sent sent you know he gladly sent you know opponents of theirs money. But one one of his, one of Rand Paul's interesting quotes, and I am by by the way, I'm no Rand Paul fan, but um, you at least have some idea of what you're getting with him. Trump, it's um, okay. You're trying to make money. How are you trying to make money? In 1990, he said, if he ever ran for office, he'd do better as a Democrat. He became an independent briefly in 1999 before he switched back to registering as a Democrat. In 2004, he identified more of his beliefs as those of a Democrat, especially on economic policy, stating on CNN that it just seems that the economy does better under the Democrats than the Republicans. He only registered as a Republican in 2009 before dropping the party again in 2011, only to re-register in 2012. This is a guy who said in 1999 that he was a strong supporter of the United Nations. He was for partial birth abortion before he was against it. He lavished praise on the bank bailouts. He was for Obamacare before he was against it and has said he's liberal on health care. In the debate, I reminded Trump that conservatives and the GOP have spent decades opposing a single-payer system like the socialized medicine of Canada and England. He responded that I hadn't heard his answer. The problem is, I had heard his answer, and like many of his answers, it made absolutely no sense. Why? What I heard was that he was once for a single-payer system today, he's against Obamacare, but still kind of likes the concept of single-payer and isn't sure it works. No conservative in America supports a single-payer government-run health care system, and yet around 25% of Republicans seem to favor Trump. How can this be possible? How can a quarter of the GOP support a guy who was a Republican, then an independent, then a Democrat, and then a Republican again? (laughs) Which basically sums up Trump's campaign. Back and forth, what sounds good at the time, just enough to get people to like him, and then who knows? Well, and the problem that we see right now is that the Republican Party is also broken, pretty much. They're split so bad in so many different ways that it's going to be hard for them to recover. And part of that is because of – and it dates back to not not just in the recent last few years. It dates back to probably all the way back to the Bush administration still being in office just before when the uh, Tea Party became a thing. I, I still don't even know what that's all about, but – that's another splinter faction that came from the Republican Party for the most part. 
I mean, they've gotten they've gotten moderates from both sides, but the Tea Party, or the what we now know as the Tea Party, actually started forming, really gaining traction during the 2008 bailouts, which happened under President Bush's watch. Um, there was a lot of outcry That's going. What I thought. Yeah, hey, what are you do advocating for? No, this this is not the right answer for this. Um and there are a lot of people who try to set certain ideas that would be considered fringe aside and try to find common ground only to find the same problem that other more radical Republican candidates have run into. Status quo doesn't want to give up their perception of power. Um, in 2012, the GOP broke their own, the RNC broke their own rules regarding delegates. Um, and you know, that's, that's how broken that, that party is right now. They're willing to break their own rules if they don't get their way with their own candidates. Um, and Trump is inadvertently exposing that when, when he, did not make the pledge that he would not run as an independent if he didn't win the primary. And that, that whole pledge was a dig at Gary Johnson who did withdraw from the Republican nomination or he withdrew from the, that process of trying to get the nomination and turned around and tried running as a libertarian instead. Um, the Romney campaign actually sued to try to get him kicked off of ballots in certain states because of it. Uh, so if Trump doesn't um, withdraw in time, there's, there will be several states that he won't even be on the ballot of. Uh, and even Johnson said all the money in the world, he, even if he wins in all the states that he's able to be on the ballot – it's not enough electoral votes to win office. <coughs> so the only thing he would wind up doing would be sabotaging whoever the Republican candidate was <coughs> and helping whoever gains the Democratic nomination, which a lot of people believe it's going to be Clinton, another Clinton-Bush, which is going to cause a lot more disillusionment and more people going, okay, this is enough. Uh, which is, and that that's going to be when it gets interesting because there's, there's still the hope of, oh, please, please, please um, don't, you know, don't let it be another Bush and Clinton mashup because they're, they're tired of seeing it. I personally, I don't want to see that either. It's, I didn't have a problem with Clinton, uh, not Hillary, her husband. Um, even with the whole stupid scandal that went down, which is honestly just dumb anyway. To, to, to be fair, there were some things that Clinton did that he could have been impeached for. They chose a really stupid thing to try to impeach him for. I refer to Lewinsky as the great distraction from the real, <laughs> real thing that could have been a problem. Um, but then again, 
that's like saying I'm going to only blame this one person for all these problems when the person before him probably did pulled the same shit as the person before them and the person before them. Um, it's as somebody who was an advocate for Slackware Linux, GNU slash Linux, once said, "Yeah, yeah, Bush lied, but so did the last several people in office." <laughs> so, ninety um, percent of the people that have been in the presidential in the Oval Office have lied at some point, some way, somehow. N- maybe not always to benefit themselves, but still, if you're a politician. That pretty much comes with the job anymore. <laughs> and Just part of the job. And it's unfortunate. Um, I I I am looking forward to to seeing who gets the libertarian nod to run for president. Their nomination system is slightly different from both parties, other parties' nomination. I think theirs is more kind of a runoff thing. Hmm. As in, whoever gets the nomination, wins the nomination, they don't pick their running mates. <clears throat> Those voting in that process also pick their running mate. Oh, that's interesting. That's one thing I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, very interesting process. Um, but seriously, if if Sanders... If Sanders... And I would have to see if the DNC does have this similar sore loser rules that the GOP does. But if they don't, and Sanders decides, screw this, I'm going to run as a, as say, a Green Party candidate, although I imagine some of his issues may clash with uh, theirs. Or, he is a pretty staunch, uh, he calls himself a socialist Democrat, or what was it? Socialist Democrat or Socialist Independent? Um, I think it was the first one. So socialist for the most part. Yeah, which, that's the point I'm trying to drive in is that he attaches socialist or socialism with his name, which a lot of people can see, would see that, and then immediately turn their nose up. And Green Party, or heck, he probably would do better trying to run as, you know, under Rocky Anderson's uh, Justice Party, which he only formed that party so he could run for president. <laughs> <laughs> Not unlike the Bull Moose Party. Looks like we have a visitor, though. Oh, my dog's been getting bored. He's been chewing on everything, and now he decided to chew on my arm, so... I'm just appeasing him and keeping him in my lap. <laughs> so it doesn't make too much noise. So so, so basically to sum up, um, the lessons that we're learning so far is it's very difficult to have a grassroots campaign. Even trying to go a mainstream route, you're going to run into opposition. There's already speculation that Black Lives Matter is matters is being used to derail his campaign because he's getting too close to Clinton in terms of polling numbers. Um, There's even speculation that Trump's being purposely used to sabotage 
any momentum that any of the GOP candidates <laughs> would otherwise have. Um, well, and I don't mean to interrupt, but just from that perspective right there that Trump is being used as a tool, I could agree with and I can't agree with at the same time. And the reason why I do agree with that and why I can see that as a possibility is because within the last – I think in the last three years, he has given money to Clinton for her campaign. I believe in the actually the last election, he gave money to her. And he's also given money to multiple Democrats in the last 10 years or so. I mean, yeah, he's changed his mind, gone back and forth so many times. But if in the situation that he's just a proponent of breaking up the Republican party just because they're already broken and it wouldn't take much effort. All he has to do up there is stand up there and open his mouth. He does an excellent job of. So, (laughs) I mean, I can see it. (laughs) And and not to mention one of his solutions for the whole immigration issue is, is actually unconstitutional. (laughs) Um, the, the whole ending birthright citizenship. Um, no, you have to alter the Constitution in order to do that, and no legislator in the right mind is going to make that attempt. Because um, if they do, they're they're it's going to it's not going to go very far. Um, there's a reason that the founders put that in there. It's it was to allow people to you know, become a citizen if they happen to be born in the country. Um, And just some of his ideas are frankly impossible to pull off. How are you going to get another country to pay for your wall? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, that's that's what I thought was fairly amusing is that, and this is on the border control issue, I'm pretty sure that was, yeah, it's for... um, well, he also said that about another country, too, for another issue. But exactly how would he make Mexico agree to pay for a wall between Mexico and the United States? For one, that's a large span of the continental United States bordering Mexico. Texas is one of the largest states next to Alaska, which is the largest and then California, which I think is actually larger than Texas. I'm not sure. They're, those two are very close, but Alaska is almost actually the same size as the contiguous United States. Um, so a border that spans all the way from Texas to California, that's a massive wall. So not only would we not necessarily be able to pay for it, how are you going to be able to – get another country to pay for it as well when they want to enter the United States. A lot of the jobs here in the United States that most people don't want to do, like the nasty jobs, the working in farms and stuff like that, Mexicans come over here and try to get legal citizenship. Well, some some don't try to get citizenship. They just come over. And they do a lot of these jobs that most people don't want to do. So if you try to prevent that, <laughs> that's going to actually cause some issues. And and personally, I'm uh, I 
I'm more lax regarding border issues. Um, if you want to me, if you want to really solve the issue at hand, you end the war on drugs and you get out of the so-called free trade agreements that are hurting both economies and screwing both countries over. Um, that's the real reason a lot of them are coming over to this country because the free trade agreements and other things have screwed their country's economy up so badly that it's unreal. Um, so they're, they're coming over, get, finding work, um, and then they're sending, frankly, they're sending money home. Um, that is the case in most of the legal slash illegal immigrants that come from Mexico or from Central America because it's not, it's not just Mexicans. It's also other Spanish-speaking countries in Central America like Guatemala, uh, Honduras. Uh, there's another one, too. Pri- those are the primary ones anyway. And 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 part and I can see how how a lot of people are like, well, Trump's not really a tool of sabotage. He's he's just a giant tool. Period. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but mark my words, he's he he's going to get a business deal out of it somehow, some way. Um, uh, it's you know, only a matter of time. He only did the whole Obama birth certificate thing to keep himself in the news, which worked. Um, it worked. And, and see, I, I'm not going to word this. I, I agree with some of the things that he's doing. I hate the fact that he'll just get up there and say whatever the hell he wants. That's a good tactic from his point of view because he's a businessman. And if it's going to get him success, he's going to do it. Um, but, why would you go and say something stupid like that? Um, because it gets headlines. <laughs> it gets headlines. And then on top of that, why is the media covering something like that? Between that and then one thing that I read about Bernie Sanders is Bernie Sanders was asked. I can't remember how it was worded. I'd have to look it up. But he was basically asked how he felt on the issue of Hillary Clinton's hair. His response was excellent, too, and I definitely don't remember it word for word. He basically goes and said, why are you asking me this question? Why is this a question that I'm supposed to be answering? This is not affecting anyone but Hillary. This is not an issue that's in the campaign. This is not on my platform. Ask me a real question. (laughs) So at least Bernie's up there going, don't be stupid. Give me something real. And, but Trump is like, no, give me it all. <laughs> give me everything stupid. Like, seriously? And then the media decides to cover that. What? Is the media getting paid for that? Well, I know I'm not getting paid to sit here and bash Trump. We do this for free because we enjoy it. And, and here, here's the funny part. Um, and this is the ironic part. Ron Paul made another attempt at a GOP nomination in 2012. Most of the media blatantly ignored him. John Stewart made fun of the fact that they blatantly ignored him. Well, so and so is, you know, you know, behind in the polls. And Stewart's like behind who? 
and and when he was on the O'Reilly Factor, he basically asked, "Why are you people ignoring Ron Paul?" And Bill O'Reilly quickly tried to move on to another subject. Um, <laughs> I think I heard somewhere that they have basically said that they are in the business of kicking candidates out. Um, you, you run into the whole issue of the pre- so-called presidential debates that only allow both candidates from major parties. The last time a third party person was allowed was it was Ross Perot and he was not exactly an outsider either. Um, he, he was an insider too, but he was feisty enough to garner enough attention to you know, get a good chunk of the popular vote. Um, he screwed up his second attempt of a campaign, but it is what it is. Um, so both of them are running under major parties as opposed to independence because of the fact Otherwise, they may not get a nomination or they may not have enough traction to get on the ballot in 50 states. That as well. Um, people have asked Ron Paul, why don't you run third party? And he explained he had before. He was one of the libertarian candidates, but it is too hard, too difficult to run under a third party banner. Um, It's taken the LP many years to get to the point where they're at now. Uh, It's going to take many more for them to even go further. And the same is going to hold true for the Green Party. The Constitution Party doesn't have the presence they did back in 2008. They've gone downhill. The America First Party has evaporated. Missouri... A lot of little parties are probably going to also just fizzle and go away as well. Like, I don't see the Tea Party lasting much longer either. Tea, tea Party... party and- Tea Party, Tea Party is already dead. They just don't know it. Um, <laughs> when, when you had the likes of Glenn Beck at the time, basically hijacking the thing, and all of a sudden, anti-war references were no longer allowed. Reference to founding fathers at rallies were no longer allowed. Um, it says some nut job in Austin, Texas, basically said, you know. Um, you you can actually have a professional uh, properly do a castration instead of having Glenn Beck do it. it ba- basically implying that whole movement was letting themselves get castrated basically for free by somebody who didn't know what they were doing. Um, Beck has since left the GOP. He's gone from them. Um, and money has been a big issue in campaign finance and what have you. Personally, I'm for letting everybody donate as much as they humanly can, no matter what. Uh, if corporations can do it, let the individual do it too. Um, 
But um, that's my take on it. What's yours? I can agree with that. I, I don't see a problem with any particular individual corporation or organization donate whatever amount of money they want to to whatever particular candidate they want candidate they want to especially if say they have a candidate that's not that's running a maybe not necessarily running under a popular ticket running under the independent an independent ticket or running under the green green party or the libertarian party if that's the case and then that particular individual is able to get enough revenue from uh, donations by organizations, random people or whatever that can possibly boost their um, uh, status in that election. So by hindering that you may not have as clean or as fair of an election as it could be. Cause I, I know there are some people out there trying to, do clean election initiatives, but then, then they, they, their solution involves, in this case, going to government funds for campaigns. Except you run into some murky problems with that all by itself. If the wrong people are in office in the first place, and they're in bed with corporations, that may not end well. Um, Clean, clean money, clean elections. Well, government's not always clean, so I don't. Uh, well, we can prove that many more times than we can prove Trump <laughs> just decides to say whatever. I mean, <laughs> the first example I can think of is looking back at. Um, oh, I don't remember the year. It was in the seventies for Nixon's election with the Watergate scandal. It was a perfect example. Then you can also look back at, um, let me think. You can look back all the way into the mid-1800s. Some of the elections around that time also had all kinds of weird issues going on, too. I mean, it's just it can be proven many times over in previous elections that crap like that happens. And... And and my thing is, don't have a double standard. If if corporations can form and use money as free speech, then individuals should be allowed the same courtesy as well. Um, That can also mean that if an individual can give whatever they can possibly give, and a lot of people may be cringing by this, but... If there aren't any double standards in terms of how funding elections is allowed, then maybe some you know underdog would actually stand a real chance. Um, because I, I remember reading a book, I Ain't Got Time to Bleed, by Jesse Ventura talking about his run for governor in Minnesota and how much of a pain in the ass it was to obtain quote-unquote, funding that was set aside to help independent candidates. He had to meet all kinds of ridiculous requirements. He had to basically go to a specific institution to basically 
I can't remember entirely what he had to do with that. It involved borrowing or collateral of some sort before he could even get that said funding, which made no sense whatsoever. The politicians at the time only did that to make it look like, hey, we want elections to be fair. Oh, but here's the strings attached to it. Well, and see, what I don't understand with this is I looked this, looked at this a little bit today is that in the past there have been multiple situations where there have been parties involved in an election where it's a it's a third party that was not very popular and they won. There's also situations where there wasn't two parties where it was just two different parties that weren't the same party for the last or same two parties rather for the last 50 100 years. And you can also go all the way back to the founding of this country. When we first became a nation, our first president was not in a political party. He was against political parties. At the time, there was the Federalist Party and um, the another Demo- one, which I can't remember. Democratic Republicans. Yeah, the Democratic Republicans, which eventually split, and then some of the leftovers from the Federalist Party over time – through various incarnations became the democratic and Republican parties that we have now. But there was also the Whig party in the early 1800s. There was, uh, the free soil party, which kind of came about and fizzled away. Like a lot of the parties that you see nowadays, but George Washington wasn't in a political party in many places. You can see it listed him listed as a federalist, but he wasn't, he didn't, associate himself with either party. Um, he, yeah, listed under Federalist, and it was reluctantly. Um, I think he spoke out against factionalism um, after his second and final term of, of office as president of the United States. He saw a, a problem with that down the road and how it could actually be very, very hurtful. Um. The Whig Party basically kind of fizzled out, and a lot of dissolution Whigs formed the Republican Party. The Free Soil Party, who who pushed for abolition, some of their platform kind of melded over into the Republican Party at the time. And my, how things have changed today. Well, and at the time, I mean, it's hard to compare it to what we have now. But the Republican Party of the time after the Free Soil had dissipated and once you get past the Civil War, the Republican Party eventually became the Democratic Party, and the Democratic Party eventually became the Republican Party. They flip-flopped. <laughs> and, and and the funny part is a lot of that motivation um, for certain things, the Posse Comitatus Act – there was an ulterior motive behind that. It was to basically end Reconstruction, which, in all fairness, having the military intervene in local domestic affairs was probably not the best of ideas uh, in the first place. Um, there was the you know, Civil Rights Act um, that Lyndon Johnson signed, but Johnson only did it so that his party would you know, have the black vote. 
and he even admitted as such. He was he was still a bigot, um, but but he he wanted his party to have power. Um, there were ulterior motives for all these things that turned out to be great ideas, but but uh, they're pushed by those with less than honorable intentions. And I think we kind of forget that too. Um, that, that's why I, I look at Trump and go, you, you have an ulterior motive. Um, and I already know you do. He kind of implies it. Sanders, I, I don't agree with certain ideas that he has, but you at least know what you're getting. Um, and at the very least, he's going to give Clinton a run for her money. Um, I don't think she should be getting the nomination for that political party for various reasons. There are certain things that she did as Secretary of State that were highly suspicious, and in my view, and I don't – we don't need more political dynasties. I don't want another Bush in office either. I'm sick to death of that. Um, <laughs> That'll be that would be the third Bush that we've had in the in office, and and, and there are people who are getting sick of that too. Um, I am, I, you know, there were two Roosevelts in office, one of which served for a total of four terms, and the only reason that he wasn't able to continue out after his fourth term was not because there was a limit on terms because there wasn't at the time. The reason why there is a limit now is because of that. He actually died. <laughs> I think yeah. it was due to complications with polio. Yeah, he, he was dead. Um, although he, he was an interesting character in and of himself. He apparently had quite a bit of upper body strength. Could I would imagine so. Um, he actually had enough willpower to get himself out of the wheelchair, barely walked to the podium, and he held himself up on the podium with his arms, which you, know, you talk about willpower, that's pretty damn good. Um, might be a reason why he was in office for so long. <laughs> Just because he had that sheer willpower, yeah, the ability to—he had the ability to talk to people. He really did. You can you can look back and listen to his speeches, and it's just you don't hear stuff like that anymore. You really don't. And in all honesty, I I think things are going to get interesting next year in terms of the election cycle. But um, ho- hopefully, it'll be a time where people stop, you know choosing between Coke or Pepsi and decide to go try something else instead. Um, or at the very least, look at everybody and stop treating it like a horse race. Go with the person that you think is the best for the job. Go with your conscience. And that's all that should matter. But um, I think we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, I think it's a good note to end that on too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think next week, um, I don't know. Uh, next week, let's see, something fun. Well, I got just the thing. We can we can talk about it after we uh, cut from live. So. Well, 
entertain yourself, educate yourself, empower yourself. Um, we'll and we'll talk to you next time. See you guys. See ya. <laughs>